Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christians of all ages, this is the Complete Sinner's Guide podcast and radio show, and I am your host, Tyler Fowler. The episode you are listening to right now is part two of the episode we did last week on the topic of temptation. With me is my co-host, Joshua Davidson, and our special guest, Dane Von Ace. We do have open phones tonight, 1-855-450-6624 is that number to dial, and I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Welcome to CSG. Intro, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? How are you all doing tonight? As I said in the intro, we have Joshua Davison back with us. Dane Von Ace is back with us on the Complete Center's Guide tonight. And actually, David Russell from Poor Again will be joining us to redo, not redo, keep going on the conversation that we were having last week on CSG on the topic of temptation. We're in, you know what guys, we read Matthew 4 last time. Let's read Luke 4 this time, go into it. But first, let's go around the table. Joshua Davison, my co-host, my brother, my friend. How are you doing tonight, sir? How was your week? Uh, My week was okay. Uh, Tonight, I am quite physically sore and exhausted, but I did. uh, I I feel like every time we we have this question, I get to say the the same thing. I'm tired. (laughs) <laughs> but I feel good because I did good work. Um, I got to do some drywall patching in a in an area in the the Center for Women and Children at the Mission. Um, you know, just prepping things for a for a, a upcoming remodel project, and you know, trying to trying to make things look like they were done on purpose in a building that was not made with professional hands. Let's say a lot of that stuff was kind of put together with hopes and dreams and and last minute donations when they did it at first. And it's nice to be able to finally go through it and make it look like it was supposed to. But boy, is it tedious. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I bet, man. I bet. Dane, how are you doing, brother? How's your week been? Anything new since we've last talked last week? And how excited are you to talk about Temptation Part 2 tonight? Well, I've had a great week. I just ate Mexican food before coming on the show tonight. So I'm full and happy and uh, nothing gets me in a good mood quite like guacamole, so I'm in, I'm in good shape. Um, and I'm very excited to be back to talk about temptations because uh, it's such an important topic. It's a practical topic. Uh, temptations are something we're all going to be faced with at one point or another. We got to yeah. know how to fight back. That's right. That's right. And one of the one of the main, if you did not listen to last week's episode, please, 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 if you're listening, don't stop. If this is live, right, and you're listening to this right now, don't stop listening to it. But if this is in the future from right now, pause it, go listen to the first episode, and then come back and listen to this because we laid the foundation for temptation. One of the ways to fight back, Dane, David, Josh, all of us really, you know, we... To take away from that episode, if you don't take anything away, please take this. No scripture. Get to know. Get to understand scripture. I'm right now just kind of a personal testimony. I myself am learning Greek again. For those who know, for those who've seen, you know, CSG, for those who've listened to us in the past, you know that I've went through Greek one one time, right? And I'm excited to go through it again. I'm excited to. My goal is to read the New Testament in its original language, right? In the language that w- that it was originally written in. And just what I've seen so far, I just finished up with nouns, super excited. But what I've seen so far is that there is so much, don't get me wrong, the English translations are great, but it's just more full, more complete in the Greek. And you don't understand what I'm saying if you don't read the Greek, right? And I'm not, you know, a master or anything like that. Greek one, guys, Greek one. But it it's just it's so i don't know i don't know there there's no words to describe it but but anyway josh um so or actually uh noah is david with us yet uh, i believe I'm that here. he is is what is up He's brother here. Can you good 
Yeah, yeah, you sound good, man. Like, I didn't know if you were going to be able to wow. make it, but so you're out of work now. Well, yeah, and... I'm sitting in a garage. I'm sitting in a uh, parking garage in the middle of Arlington right now, so. Well, that's uh, good yeah. you're not driving. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't, absolutely. don't Well, how was your week, but, brother? Yeah. Like, give well, us a little intro. Terrible. We had uh, put down, we had to put down one of our cats yeah. this week. Uh, he had a yeah. disease that was incurable, so we had to do that. Um, and you know, the family's just real, real bummed out. So I'm uh, going to probably take him to go see Batman this weekend. There you go. Pets are part of the family. I mean, they really are. And I'm, yeah. I, I've been praying for you, brother. And I know we've been talking about that off air, you know, a little bit. So I hate it yeah. for you, bro, but yeah. things, I mean, things yeah, get better. Man, dude. Yeah, they do. And you know what? Uh, you know, it brought us all together to pray for him and, you know, it, it was really a touching time. You know, Good. my daughter got to hold him as the stuff was administered to him. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was really good for her. So, she needed that. But uh, the biggest okay. thing is, is, like, I'm learning Greek, too, buddy. Yeah, we're you tackling know? this together. And I got I got a request from a friend of mine to okay. translate some stuff for her. Okay. Because uh, she's working on a book that you, you guys know her. It's uh, Teddy. Yeah, uh, from the Shroud, yeah, uh, folks that investigate the Shroud of Turin, and you know she's doing a book, and with that said, she asked me to translate some stuff, so I did, and I sent it over to uh, first I gave it to her, and then I sent it over to my friend to get it double checked, mm -hmm. and he confirmed everything for me, and I had it right. And my friend is a uh, textual critic, so he's fluent in Greek, so. Send me uh, it. Yeah. Send me the Greek, <laughs> I and I like, want to translate it here. So to practice, like, send me what you translated. I want to translate it and see if we come out with the same thing. So let's... As the least educated well, member on the panel, I would like to say congratulations to both of you guys for improving yourselves as much as you do, because that's really fantastic. Thank you, man. Like, it's exciting. I encourage anyone, if you don't know Greek, learn it. Like, it's it's really cool. I love it. But anyway, yeah. anybody else? Go ahead. Nobody. All right, that's fine. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, we'll we'll carry on. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter four. And because last time we went over Matthew four, and this is virtually now check this out, Dane. We talked about this uh the first time we tried recording. Matthew and Luke, are they are they identical? And no. Actually, I went through them side by side. No, they're not. the The last two things are flipped around, right? Now, grant, granted, they're the same thing. Like, I'm not saying that there's like a textual variant here that just throws it, it just proves the Bible false or something like that. No, 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 no. They're just flipped around. Virtually says the same thing. So let's go to Luke four. I'll read out of the ESV, and uh, yeah, let's just do the whole thing and then jump into this, shall we? And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil took him up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours." And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem to set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put your Lord or put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So let's just go around the table, shall we, Dane? You are our guest of honor, so we will allow you to go first. <laughs> what what you got for us, brother? First well, off, uh, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> well, I was going to say there's another difference in. Matthew's account and Luke's account, which is kind of interesting, that mm -hmm. Matthew ends on a very uh, almost positive, tender note. Matthew ends with, and uh, angels were ministering to him. 
angels were ministering to Jesus. Luke ends on more of a cliffhanger foreshadow of what is yeah. to come. Note of, and the devil left him until an opportune time. And of course, uh, we know that, that the devil is going to try to tempt Jesus again in, in, um, you know, as he gets closer to the cross, you know, to, sure. uh, to move away from that responsibility and that, um, call to, to self-sacrifice. So I just think that's really interesting as well, that Matthew ends on a really sweet, tender note, uh, where angels are ministering to Christ. They're serving Christ. They're, you know, wrapping their angelic arms around Christ, uh, Mm -hmm. to comfort him. And in Luke, we don't hear that. We hear that, um, the devil is plotting for his next try. So that's just interesting. I think uh, uh, Dave makes a good point that, uh, you know, I think Luke's foreshadowing something versus Matthew here. Um, so, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I think that I think that the since you flipped it around about, uh, you know, the, the temptation about dashing his foot up, up against the stone. I think there's something really important here that we need to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And it's not only knowing scripture or learning scripture it's actually knowing scripture it's actually learning how to read the scripture right let me ask you this in terms yeah well no finish your thought and then i got a question for you yeah i see you know satan does turn the scripture around and tries to lure jesus into uh falling basically right to right uh he's trying to say oh yeah you got your bible so do i i know the bible too you know but jesus knows how to read the scripture in context and i think that's important for all of us is that you know we need not just to learn how to read the bible but we need to learn how to understand it as well okay that's what i was getting ready to ask you You said that there was a difference between like kind of like learning understanding and really knowing i was going to ask you what you meant by that uh, what the difference was, but no, I think you flushed that out right because there is, I, I think knowing about, it's kind of like Jesus. Knowing about Jesus is different than knowing him, right? Like being in a relationship. I know my wife better than any other person. Well, you know, debatable her mom and dad, of course, right? But still, I know her on a more intimate level than they do even. So that's what we're talking about for our listeners. And again, if you've got a question about temptation, about practical application, how do I fight temptation? What do I do? Where do I go? one 450 is that number to dial. Josh, you got anything that uh, you would like to add? Um, I mean, in, in terms of the contrast between the two, um, probably not much more than what you guys pointed out as far as the, the, the change in order in which the temptations occur. The temptations are the same three, but, you know, two and three are swapped um, in their order in Luke's account. And then, you know, the, like you said, the, the tone of the ending, let's say Matthew is, is finishing one account for, for the start of another in moving into the next section there. And Luke, like, uh, like David said, has this kind of um, like cliffhanger foreshadowing thing towards something that is going to happen later on. Um, both, let's say, when when Peter um, is contesting with Christ, when he says, "Oh, you're you know you're 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 Peter, you're you're part of the rock, you know, like you're 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 understanding the revelation that I'm the Christ," and then Peter's kind of full of himself a little, little bit. You know, Jesus says something about going to the you know going to uh, Jerusalem to be handed over and killed, and Peter's basically like, "Over my dead body, Lord," and he says, mm-hmm. "No, get behind me, Satan." Um, I think that instead of talking necessarily just to Peter, he was reminding Satan where he belongs, that is, behind him in the past, because the temptation had been overcome, that we're not going past the cross uh, in order to gain the inheritance of the earth, uh, mm-hmm. like Satan offers him here. It's the idea that, you know, if you bow down and worship me, if you if you chase the convenience, I'll give you what you're looking for. You don't have to serve God for that. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, that kind of thing, the way that it pops up later, but it really sparked a, it really sparked an idea in me that maybe we can do a future episode on, and that's fine. But kind of just in, in passing, I want to mention um, that we've done in the past a, an episode on Luke 22 when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying just before his arrest. 
And I can imagine that being a really interesting time to be a fly on the wall for this kind of account for what Satan was doing in the backdrop. Sure. Because he pleaded with his friends, stay awake with me. Can you stay awake with me? Stay alert. And they fall asleep. And he's like, could you not stay with me for even an hour? He's disappointed, you know, and it's like that humanity is often hard to look at when we're looking at Jesus because we have this, obviously he's God and we have this larger than life picture of the perfection and all that. And it's just like, he didn't want to die. He, he really, he didn't want to die. Like he knew what was coming and he, he's like, this is terrifying. God, if there's father, if there's any other way, like any, you know, like if there's any other way, I don't want to listen yeah. to you. Um, you know, Satan tried this on me before, but it's really heavy now. If there's any other way, you know, and it's like, that wouldn't have happened if it really wasn't as terrifying as it sounds, yeah. you know? And so just understanding that Jesus was human and he didn't want to die and he yeah. was afraid and just to, I've experienced fear and I don't want to die. And it's like, he understands me, you know? And that's something that we'll get mm -hmm. to a little bit later in the episode, because one of the things I want to loop back around to before we end is that first verse uh, when it's the, the Holy spirit that guides him into the wilderness yeah. Um, and why it is that that would occur. Um, but it just, you know, in terms of the contrast between the two accounts, I think that you guys covered the bases pretty well. Um, and we did cover the first temptation of uh, turning stones into bread. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, I think it'd be appropriate to just kind of jump off with the, uh, well, the, the, the second and third temptation there to kind of comment on those things and bring that out. Absolutely. I want to hit on something you just said, um, just because it's fresh, right? You said that Jesus, you know, in that moment, I think, and what, I'll get your guys' opinion on this as well, but I think that in that moment right there, that was his ultimate, right? And what I mean by that is that, remember last week when we were talking about Jesus and his high priesthood, how Jesus can relate because he has experienced these things, all of these trials, all these temptations, he's experienced what I call 100%. We usually give in before we probably hit 50% temptation, right? We, we've been tempted at 50%, right. so to say, and we give in at that point. I think at that moment, Jesus was being tempted 100%, if that makes sense. And so not only, not only can he relate to us, right? Like you said, Josh, he understands what we're going through. I mean, think of that moment. He was bearing literally the weight of the world, the world's sin on his shoulders, literally. And you you just, if you, it, that's what makes him our, our high priest, is that he understands experientially what we go through on a daily. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's true. I, I think Luke, you know, that just to harp back on the whole foreshadowing thing as well, uh, hmm. I think Luke gives that more detailed account that we see uh, to, you know, make Josh's point even more clear how Luke describes his prayer in Geth Gethsemane, you know, and what he's going through. And it's so amazing that we can serve a God that breaks the traditional norms and comes down to heaven from heaven to earth you know, in time and space just to identify with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, fully and completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at these next two temptations, right? And I like to start in the, in the uh, Matthew's tradition, right? I like how it goes into the culmination of all the world's uh, kingdoms, right? At the end. I think it's appropriate that way because the second one, Although, yes, just as important, but not something that would bypass the cross, right? Right. Um, but but it would be pretty amazing. And, you know, I always get this, like, uh, um, Star Trek view of Jesus being transported, like, like, from wherever he's at to this pinnacle of the temple, right? Mm -hmm. Right? And, yeah, and yeah, it's, like, the <laughs> highest point. Dude, that's like the highest point, but no, and and this is to your point, Tyler, is that no, Jesus went to the pinnacle of the temple. Satan was with him. He was probably getting tempted, like you said, 100%. He's probably being tempted the whole way, yeah. right? And you just, you know, it, you, you don't think about that because you have this view because it looks like it's just automatic, right? Yeah, like teleportation, but, like you said. 
yeah, it's the, that's not the way the text reads, you know. Um, and you know, what I think is wild is when he's looking out over that, you know, if he would have thrown himself off of that, and he would have came down like like an angel, you know, like we see in the TV uh, shows where it's like, oh, you know, and he's just lying <laughs> on down, you know, and he doesn't get hurt. I mean, that would have bypassed all the rejection that he would have received from the Pharisees. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. That's what made it so that. tempting. That was <laughs> power of, yeah. That, yeah. And so to, to not receive all that rejection. And what are the things that we fear most in life? Mm. We fear rejection. I fear rejection over one of Josh's yeah, snake bite by snakes biting me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't like rejection. I hate rejection. And I think we all have rejection. And to see how we are in this modern age when we're just so enamored with social media, libraries in our back pockets and all these things. And then next thing you know, we still have this fear of rejection when it comes down to it. It's a real temptation, and it and it's one you can look at through the lens of time and see that Jesus goes, goes, you know, meets it head on, and is more worried about what God thinks of him, and correcting the abuse of Scripture we see, and overcomes that temptation. Yes, and that jumping into this, we'll see this. Jesus is again our example, and so we will. That's one of the things, and I'm just testifying here, like of myself that whenever I give in to temptation in those moments, I'm telling myself, I don't care what God thinks. I, I, I don't care if this is going to, this is going to benefit me now. So that's why I'm taking it. And this is why the temptation for Jesus was so real. You know, people say that, well, it, he's God, he can't be tempted. Jesus was a man too, 100%. And so, yes, this was a very real temptation because I'm sure Jesus would have loved more than anything not to go to the cross. But at the same time, it was the cross that saved us. And so he had to or else we would still be dead in our sins. But let's jump into this verse, and then I want to get Dane's thoughts on it going into it. So verse 5. Well, here, uh, can, I, can I say something before I lose my train of thought here? Because yeah, something yeah, that, yeah. That, uh, of course. That, that, that David said really sparked something for me. It was really interesting that sure. um, he said that if Jesus were to jump down from the pinnacle of the temple uh, and just kind of you know levitation style, slowly lower himself without any damage to self, right, and then mm-hmm. land on the ground, uh, the appeasement of the people that would have been who's in the temple scribes, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, those were the wicked and corrupt generation, always seeking a sign. That was a twofer for Satan really trying to pull that one. Something that pops into my mind when you say that, um, I think Jesus knows that even if he did that, threw himself off the high point of the temple flies down, uh, you know, unscathed or, or even has angels come down to to join him in the air and, and fly him down. Um, and let's say that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all these temple elites saw that happen. Um, they still would have rejected Jesus. He would have he would have succumbed to this temptation and still been rejected by his generation. Why? Well, their hearts were hardened. Their eyes were not opened. And Jesus even says, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, look, there are some people that if they don't believe in the Messiah because of the law and the prophets' testimony about the Messiah, they won't even believe if a man who has come back from the dead goes and talks to them. And so even if Jesus, of, of course, he doesn't succumb to the temptation, but even if he had, and in his mind he was like, well, this is actually a good thing because I'll get the Pharisees and all the religious leaders on my side when they see this happen, the temple will be amazed with me. No, they they wouldn't. It actually wouldn't have even worked. They would have looked at that and and come up with some way to twist it, right? Just like they were twisting his healings, just like they were twisting his exorcisms. Like they Um, did everything. Like they twisted everything he did. So um, that's that's important to keep in mind. And uh, I have some other thoughts on this uh, temptation around throwing yourself off the temple. But Tyler, I didn't know if you wanted to read those verses again or if you want me to just jump into some other commentary I wanted to make. Yeah, let's uh yeah, let's read this. So verse 5 for those following along, we're in Luke 4, 
Verse 5, And the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him aside on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put your Lord, put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Dane, go ahead, brother. What do you got? Because I've got... Honestly, guys, I want to know something about back up here in verse five, but go ahead, Dane. I know you got something on the pinnacle. Cool. So, um, and I'm, I'm happy to go in Luke's order as well, but, um, uh, David and, and Josh and I had kind of gotten into that, uh, last temptation in Luke's order here. And, um, so while it's kind of fresh on our minds, the temptation here is to do something spiritually supernatural, right? So the other temptation about the kingdoms of the earth, that's, that's political, that's authority, that's uh, sort of earthly. This is, a, this is a spiritual temptation. And I think that it's really fascinating that uh, Satan, this is the only temptation where he quotes scripture, right? Is in this spiritual temptation. Do a miracle is basically what he's saying. Perform a miracle, uh, make angels show up. Um, do something that can only be explained through supernatural explanations. Do a miracle. That's the temptation. Show us a miracle on the spot. And um, he twists scripture in a way to try to coax Jesus into this temptation. And I just want to point out that this is actually how every single cult on the planet that has some kind of, um, uh, they at least claim to be biblical in some way, that's how they all work. They take scriptures out of context, they twist them, and um, they try to uh, to make you feel that their their new teaching is from above, is, is supernatural. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's uh, David Koresh or Jim Jones or somebody else. They're all going to take scriptures and try to convince Tyler people Tyler Fowler. Scriptures. Tyler <laughs> Fowler. <laughs> man, I hope not. Oh, man, yeah. But, um, but You're you know, banned. <laughs> hey, just because you can't think of something good to say, don't ban me. <laughs> but you know, uh, you are the weakest you know, link. come back right now. I don't. I'll get you back. Don't you worry. Tyler's go heresies ahead. are minor enough. We can let him off the go, hook. Go ahead, Dane. Before you're so rudely interrupted. So, so my point is that uh, we all have to be on guard for how Scripture gets twisted. Um, and to David's early point early in this show tonight um there's a difference between just having a scripture memorized and understanding it and so uh we i think we're confronted with this all the time i'll give you one example in our culture you'll hear so many people say judge not lest ye be judged right yeah and right they're saying they're basically saying you can't have an opinion on on any cultural issue or, or something or you can't uh, have an opinion on my sins or something like that. Um, and But in another portion of John's gospel, Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment. And mm-hmm. if they would just keep quoting that, judge not lest you be judged from Matthew, they would read, for the measure you give is the measure you'll get. And so what Jesus is saying is, is don't judge hypocritically, um, right. not don't judge at all. We are actually called to judge um, based on God's righteous standards, we're actually right. called to um, pursue holiness and encourage others to do so as well. So, you know, you see this twisting of Scripture all the time. So we have to understand the whole scope of Scripture. We're not just sola scriptura. We're tota scriptura. We want the whole of Scripture, Amen. Genesis to Revelation. And so Jesus does a brilliant job of, um, of drawing Satan, uh, his folly, out here and saying, look, you're not interpreting that correctly. That wasn't a text meant to just make us go throw ourselves off of buildings. We're not supposed to tempt the Lord, our God. And, um, Mm -hmm. let me put this in more modern terms for people. Um, if, if you ever have a, a a sort of inclination in your mind, well, if God really loves me and if God's really a protector and a shield for me, I can jump in front of this moving bus and I won't get hurt. No, it doesn't work that way. You jump in front of that moving bus, you're going to meet God in heaven, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, or meet him as your judge, (laughs) one or the other. 
So don't jump in front of that moving bus. That's not how that uh, passage about protection works. That's not how those passages about God being our shield works. Um, So we got to always be on guard for people twisting scripture. And um, especially in the context of, you know, show me God's favor on your life. Show me something supernatural in your life. Um, I think that's a lot of times where it gets twisted. You know, I want to ask you something, Dane, about uh, Jesus's answer here. And we talked about this off air a little bit, but I want to see, and David, you can comment on this if you want to as well, but you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, to me anyway, it seems like since since talking about the deity of Christ that David brought up last week, this seems to me like Jesus is referring to himself because within the context, what is happening, the devil is testing Jesus and, and who else would the, put, put the father to the test? Like not, that's not happening here. It doesn't seem like anyway. So Dane, I'll ask you like I asked you off air, but is this a reference to Jesus? Is Jesus referring to himself whenever he says, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test? I'm going to answer in a cryptic way by quoting the words Ooh. of Jesus in John 10 30. The father and I are one. Fair enough. Boom. So, yeah, well, you, you know, you could give it. I was just going to say, yeah, it's no, true. Ahead, um, it's Jesus talking about himself. You shouldn't tempt me or put me to the test. And it's also Jesus talking about his father. Don't put my father to the test. Um, Satan was putting Jesus to the test there. Absolutely. And that's wrong. Um, you shouldn't test the Lord your God, and Jesus is fully God. But also, um, Satan was also testing the words of the Father when he said at his baptism, Jesus' baptism, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. Satan is yeah. testing those words that just occurred a chapter before, right? Mm-hmm. So it's both, I would say. Yeah, I think so. David, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was I was going to say that, that that's more—I think that's far, even more far removed than what Jesus is thinking here. Uh, and for the simple fact I say that is because I think Jesus is really referring back because he says, it is written, right? You, should, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus is actually remembering a time in Israel when they did put the Lord their God to the test. Mm-hmm. And it didn't end well. Mm. You know, uh, I think it was that complaint at uh, Massa. Um, And I wish I had my notes. Sorry, guys. I I got force held at work today, so I didn't get home to my notes. I was supposed to be off at two. But, yeah, there's a time. Or the rebellion at Korah. Actually, uh, well, I I don't know if it was the rebellion at at Korah or not that he was uh, uh, specifically. I know uh, where they call Manasseh or something has something to do with it. Uh, and you know, I used to I used to run this through my students to really get them to understand the mind of Jesus, because like I said before, you know, this is kind of like you can jump into a time machine here and really get into side Jesus's mind, you know, and and understand mm-hmm. what he's saying and what yeah. he's thinking about as he destroys this temptation. He's remembering a time where Israel tested God, right? And he's like, look, you can twist this all you want. But this is how it really should be. You should not tempt the Lord your God or test the Lord your God, put him to the test like this. A, it's not a test that he tells us we can test them on, right? It's not, you know, there are tests. Obviously, we test all things in light of Scripture, right? We We test in other ways. We test other things. It's not like just this grade A test, like, you know, you're doing something, you know, and and you're writing the answer on a sheet of paper. It's not something like that. It's it, it's actually, uh, you know, offending God, <laughs> you know, versus yeah. trying his patience know, uh, like our kids do. Trying his patience, yeah, absolutely. Or like you know, it, it's more to the temptation than what it seems to be uh, on the outside, is what I'm saying. And if we don't know our scripture intimately, how do we come back? That's why you yeah. know the scripture repeatedly. Tells us not to to, to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. And I, well, one thing I that's really interesting to note too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dane. I got to jump in with something because it ties into this really beautifully. Um, so David's absolutely right. You know, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy, and he's saying, "Don't put the Lord your God to the test." And that that harkens back to a day when Israel tested the Lord their God. Paul gives us some really cool insight into the fact that they were 
putting Christ to the test even in the wilderness in 1 Corinthians 10. And um, if you'll allow me to read uh, nine verses here, but this is so cool how it ties in. Yeah. 1 Corinthians yeah. 10, starting in verse 1, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. And now listen to verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Wow. So it was Christ that they were testing in the wilderness along with the Father. I mean, again, you can't test God without testing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at once, right? Right. Tyler, mark right. that verse Absolutely. down for our next talk with Seamus and Brad, bro. Mark that verse down because that was incredible. Thank you, <laughs> Hey, Hey, guys, I, I can give yeah. you a whole list of Jesus and his role in the Exodus, as the New Testament <laughs> authors uh, put it. Like, it's amazing. Paul, yeah. uh, Jude, the author of Hebrews, all of them talk about Christ's role in the Exodus, but that's Dane, a whole different podcast. Dane just secured his spot in part two of the discussion with Brad and Seamus, so, so Josh and I will moderate. David and Dane can team up, and we'll have a good discussion. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, here, I was going to say, in, in, for, just to bring back to, to what we were talking about before, David mentioned how the Scripture makes it explicit, and mm-hmm like extremely clear that God is not interested in us playing games to flirt with the line, to find out where, how much we can get away with without pissing him off. That is not a good game to play. Please don't play that game. But there is one time in scripture when God said to test him, there is one time and it was to do with giving. Mm -hmm. God said, you cannot outgive me. Go ahead and try. Mm. Amen. Yep. The only acceptable. Yep, and time. that's just that it's just super interesting how these tie together, and you know we can we can glean from this, you know, and apply it to yeah. to today. If we can get into the mind of Jesus, you're going back in time. You're looking through His eyes as you're doing this temptation, as as these temptations are getting laid on Him, right? You're there with Him. You're watching it, and that's mm-hmm. what's really cool about this. And as as you guys were saying earlier about. Uh, the judging stuff like this and twisting scripture. I love how Matthew writes his discourses, right? When Jesus is given instruction, right? You can tell if you read the context, you can tell when he shifts the, t- the topic, when he looks at the hypocrites, when he's looking at farmers and, and uh, people with agriculture, then fishermen and then other people around, you can see where he, 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 you know, switches focus, and that can really put you into, uh, if you know a little bit about the historical context, it can put you there, and you can watch the Sermon on the Mount in yeah. your own mind. Yeah. And that, to me, blows my mind. Yes, sir. one 855 You are listening to The Complete Sinner's Guide with Joshua Davison, Tyler Fowler, Dane Von Ace, our special guest, and our good yet heretic friend David Russell from Proselytize or Apostolize. <laughs> we'll, uh, good try, bud. Good try. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it'll come more naturally. It, it'll... It, it'll come. Don't you worry, buddy. I got something for you here in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but anyway, really got, okay. no, if you know, you can tell by the sound of my voice, I am not. So anyway, I want to do, I do want to do this for the last 15 minutes. I do want to get practical. So somebody, let, let's, let's just set a scene, right? Somebody is in the middle of temptation. It's great. Let me, let me preface it with this though. It's great to be able to do exactly what David just said is to look through this, to look at this scene through the eyes of Jesus, to be able to glean from Scripture in order to apply it to our lives. And whenever we actually go through temptation, we actually have the opportunity to put into practice what we learn. And that, and that's, I think, 
is key. You can spend your entire life learning about the Bible and learning what the Bible says, but if you don't put it into practice, it's a waste. It's an absolute and utter waste of time, of, of, of energy, of everything, if you're not going to apply what you learn from the Scripture to your everyday life, to your walk with Christ. You can't have a successful walk with Christ if you don't do that. And so let's set the scene. Somebody is struggling and is being tempted right now. David, what what's the first thing they do? They do, or what do I do in response? I, well, I yeah, I, I mean, you're trying to ask there. Give a well, I mean, from your own personal experience, how would they're you help somebody that's struggling? Yeah, yeah. Well, I take a, I I actually take them through these verses and talk about okay. the different levels of sin here, and you know, I really feel bad because we didn't cover the last one very well. And that one for me was critical. And this is what I talk to them about when it comes to practical application here. We live in a society today where it's so easy to take a shortcut. Right? Mm -hmm, We live in this day and age where, man, I can just walk up the street and get a burger and, you know, don't care about the world falling apart around me. Right? So, like, I walk them through these temptations, and I point out those identifiers, such as ignorance, such as uh, uh, um, just certain things that we've been talking about, about, you know, you know, the first one, turning the stone in the bread, doing things, that, you, you know, doing the right thing, but not in its proper time, right? And then for the last one is, is for me, like, taking shortcuts, right? Like, that had to be so hard to do. You know, the the world was the kingdoms of the world were going to be given to Jesus anyway. Mm -hmm. He just had to die on the cross, and Satan was offering him not to die on the cross. Right. You can have these. You don't need to do God's plan, you know? Mm -hmm. So I try to put in my practical applications for this is the whole idea of, you know, living God's plan. You might be going through temptation. And the way you can really beat this, get in the eyes of Jesus. Look at what he thought. Look what he did. Tyler, you said he was our example. Well, look into the scriptures. Know the scriptures. Uh, What does God say about it? You know, I I, I keep listening to these people that deconstruct on TikTok, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. they, they, they deconstruct because they say God is silent. But I've never heard of God so loud and clear when I read the scriptures and they come to life to me. And I don't know about you guys. And this is where I agree with my Calvinist brothers and sisters is the preservation of the saints. I think if somebody is truly gripped by the love of God, you can't go back. I can't. You know, I fall to temptation. Of course, I sin. I mess up. You know what? But I'm never out of his reach. It's like I'm getting dragged back. Sometimes kids mm. screaming, you know, but I'm being dragged back. And then I, I turn around and it's just the best thing ever to know that he's got a grip on me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not letting me go. I can't live with myself if I'm in sin. You know, I beat myself up You know, <laughs> if I'm doing something stupid, you know. So, you know, it's like that's where I would, you know, agree and, and tell people, look, you can know God. You can know him. You know, if you're if you're saying he's silent and you're asking him to reveal himself, he already has. Yeah. He already has. Open the pages of scripture and get to know the scripture in an intimate way. And that's my preaching for that. I mean, that's true. Amen, bro. Everything you just said, that's exactly how we get to know Jesus is through the stories that are told about him in scripture. Dane, you got any comments on yeah i want to add a few things um and i want to briefly make a a comment about that temptation that we didn't dive into quite as deeply where satan says to jesus you can have all the kingdoms of the earth if you just worship me um and what's really amazing and and david pointed this out is you know jesus was already promised this um you could think about psalm 2 7 through 8 where the father is speaking to the son you are my son today i've begotten you ask of me and i will give the nations as your inheritance But an even deeper one is Psalm 22, which is all about the cross, right? His hands will be pierced, his clothes will be, uh, there'll be lots cast for his clothes, uh, his bones are out of joint, 
he's his tongue is dried up like a pot shirt in his mouth all this stuff and then after all of that talk about his suffering we get to verse 27 where it says that all the nations of the earth will turn to him right yeah so it's it's after his suffering that it's written that all the nations will turn to him and and he will inherit all the nations and so not only is it written in Jesus's response, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. But Jesus also knows it is written that the Messiah must suffer and die and rise again before he inherits the nations. And so I, I have this like uh, read between the lines thing when Jesus keeps going, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's also him reminding himself, it's written of the Messiah. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to bleed. That is also written. Um, and I can't, shake that responsibility and i will not disobey my father i'm going to to press on and um persevere to the to the cross but then um to to talk about the practical application of how we fight against temptation um i just want to say david is spot on um read your bible know your bible swim through your bible love your bible but i want to add another layer since that's already been covered um jesus answers worship the lord your god and only him and i want to tell people another way we fight against temptation is to dive into worship if we are if we're being tempted and we feel that pull yourself away and say i'm gonna get alone with god and i'm gonna praise him i'm gonna thank him for forgiveness i'm gonna thank him for eternal life i'm gonna thank him for his presence i'm gonna thank him for his goodness i'm gonna thank him for his kindnesses and his mercies which are new every morning and just worship and worship and pour your heart out and worship because if you're worshiping God truly from your heart, uh, as Jesus would put it in um, John 4, if you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, those temptations will fall away. Your heart will have um, a, a rejuvenation. It'll be recharged. You'll be in fellowship with the Father. And um, that will reset your mind. And you'll say, hey, I just want to serve him only. So worship is a great way to um tackle temptation and move yourself away from temptation and brothers and sisters everyone out there listening um i just want you to know you can worship anywhere you don't have to be in a sanctuary you don't have to be with uh other people like you can worship in your bedroom you can worship in your car you can worship in your shower you can worship god anywhere because the holy spirit's with us everywhere that's right it's starting to get warm i mean it's starting to get warm and summertime's coming go on a walk and pray glorify god go on a nature walk i mean we got railroad tracks right by our house and there's always i mean you can get on them and walk a little bit i mean just get outside and do something enjoy nature and praise god for it if it if it's a sexual sin i know many people struggle with sexual sin if it, if there's one thing like listening to both of these episodes kind of you know summarizing everything here at the end there's really not one answer for well what do i do whenever i'm being tempted there's many things that you can do whenever you're being tempted if it's nighttime you can't get out you can't go for a walk or whatever go to your prayer closet start praying to god in there right mm. start reading your bible do something get alone with god the the here's the thing the closer you get to holiness the further away you're going to get from sin and that's something that I've got to remind myself of. That's something I've got to tell myself even now, even right now, that the closer I get to God, the further I will get away from sin. Josh, you got any closing remarks? Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to say, since we're getting close to the end here, I kind of want to revisit verse 1 in chapter yeah. 4 of Luke, as well as the first verse in chapter one, in chapter 4 of Matthew. They both clo- open with the same thing. They say Jesus is being... Uh, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the baptism at the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. Why in the world would the Spirit do something like that? That is kind of mean, if you think about it, uh, without knowing the context of what's going on here. And and ultimately, we relayed that back to the fact that Christ understands me. Why? Because he became like me. How? in every respect okay so then in his own experience what does he have to offer me 
when I'm in a place of weakness and I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like being alone. I'm in a low place. Let's say I'm depressed and I'm dealing with sexual temptation and I've had a really bad day and I'm mad at somebody at my, you know, at my job or whatever. It's like this compound mm-hmm. fracture, let's say. It's like, what is it that Christ is talking about? Why would the spirit lead him into the wilderness? And what's the purpose of that? And I'm open to uh, Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. It says, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every respect been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let then with let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And what that means in, let's say, uh, modern shorthand is I get it. I get it. I understand where you are and I'm not leaving you there. I love you enough to meet you where you are and I love you the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you there. Follow me. And when Jesus is our high priest who's passed through the heavens, he's opened up a gate for us that goes directly to the Father. That's why we hold to our confession. The word in in Greek for confession is to mean speaking the same as God, to agree with him, in other words, right? And we don't have a high priest who's so far away, this lofty, untouchable character. We have somebody who came right down into the pit with us, who experienced what we experienced and overcame. And to point out one of the last final things that is really important to this whole conversation for both parts of this is that he was tempted at all points as we are yet without sin. Notice that temptation is not sin. You're not condemned when you feel tempted, okay? Right. When you feel tempted, it's not a, oh, well, well, I'm already here. I might as well. No, don't have that get up apathy or give up apathy. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself because there's a reason why you feel temptation. Temptation is your red flag to notice sin coming, not yep. the fact that you've already sinned. So use it as a tool, Amen. Amen. I love that. I love it. Use the things that God has given us for his glory in in everything you do, do in the name of Christ. Right. And you're right, Josh, it is not something to be feared whenever we are struggling or, or whenever we're being tempted. I love how you said that it's a red flag. It's a tool that we can use to, as a warning, as our, your alarm system, right? Hey, something's about to happen. You need to change course. Exactly. And then do it. Initiate the change. I think that's the key is doing it. You have to initiate. You have to be active in this. So, gentlemen, I just want to thank you again so much for for this conversation. I think that putting both of these episodes together is extremely practical. People have so much to take away from this. And if you're still struggling with temptation, message us. We would love to talk to you. Complete Center at gmail.com and we will answer your questions whenever we can. So thank you again, Dane Von Ace, Joshua Davidson, David Russell, and I've been your host, Tyler Fowler. Good night, God bless, and stay like Christ. <laughs>